Hello, and welcome to Big Fish in the Talent Pool with your host, Aaron Peterson, partner and global talent acquisition consultant with People Results. In each episode, Aaron interviews a corporate head of talent acquisition to shine a light on how they got there, what keeps them up at night, and their views on all the hot topics in TA today. There's nothing Aaron is afraid to ask because she's been there. Now here's your host, Aaron Peterson. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Big Fish in the Talent Pool for Episode 8. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Sylvette Sawyers. She's the head of talent at Open Door, a relatively new digital real estate company based in San Francisco. Sylvette and I met a few years ago when she was the VP of Talent Acquisition for Gap, Inc., where she spent 10 years upgrading their approach to recruiting, first at Old Navy and then at all their other brands. In my conversation with her, she shares her experience of leaving the world of retail talent acquisition that she knew so well and taking a break to figure out what was next before joining Open Door. Sylvette has a super interesting background, which gives her a cultural mix of English charm, Midwestern practicality, and a dash of West Coast vibe. And you're going to love her perspective on life and work. So without further delay, here comes Sylvette Sawyers of Open Door. Enjoy. So I am here with Sylvette Sawyers, and uh, we are going to talk about her very interesting career and <laughs> all the really cool stuff that she has done with both large and small companies. And so welcome, Sylvette, to the thank, podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here, to sit here and talk to you and hear yes. about what's going on and share with you what my experiences have been. There's a lot of really cool ones, so <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this. Sylvette and I have known each other for several years. We met when she was at The Gap. Uh, but I won't go into her um, uh, resume right yet. We're gonna t- we're gonna back up first of all and ask her to talk about what her current role is mm-hmm. at a very interesting startup called Open Door here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I joined Open Door March sixth, and um, my eventual goal was to actually join a startup, a tech startup. I've been in San Francisco for eighteen years, worked mm-hmm. most of my life with Gap, um, and I thought. If I'm going to stay in San Francisco, my partner and I decided we were going to stay in San Francisco. It probably makes a good makes good sense for me to get into technology. Um, so I joined Open Door, and we knew the learning curve was going to be steep, or the ramp up was going to be steep, and it's mm-hmm. it's huge coming from um, a large company like Gap, large organization with processes and lots of resources, mm-hmm. um, to Open Door, huge learning curve. Um, so I currently have a team of about 15 people. Mm-hmm. I'll grow that to 26 by the end of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, yeah there's, there's a lot going on. Okay. All in San Francisco? Um, most of it in San Francisco. We do okay. have markets that we're launching across yeah. the U.S. Um, we're in nine markets now. We should be in 20 by the middle of next year. Okay. Um, so along with that growth clearly comes talent, and mm-hmm. that's what my team's focused on. Mm-hmm. So, but Open Door is growing very quickly. We just around we just end, um, announced our funding, Series E funding yesterday. Wow, okay. So everyone's really excited about that, and yeah. we've seen a huge increase in applications. Uh-huh. Um, not always a place you want to get talent, but there's yeah. some really great people out there. Okay. So that's been really good from a branding perspective. Uh, so, so 15 to 26 yes. recruiters. Recruiters. And what about employees? How many employees? Do yeah, you? so um, when I joined, we were at 501. Okay. I've been there for three months. Uh-huh. We're at 664. Yikes. 
Yeah, it's nonstop. Okay. Unreal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unreal. All right. Well, we're going to talk yeah. about that because yeah. the, the spike, the ramp up is a thing. Yes. Obviously. And yeah. not everybody who listens to my podcast has experienced that, especially yes. in a tech environment. So yeah. we want to talk about that. Great. But you didn't start in San Francisco. Let's let's go backwards a little bit and talk about how you got here. You yeah. were educated in the Midwest, in Illinois, where yes. I have also lived. Yes. Um, in a Western Illinois University. Yes. Both an undergrad and a master's. I did, yes. Yeah, so, uh, but but talk about why, uh, yeah. and both in communications, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was born in England, and we moved here when I was, um, how old was I, 12, I think, okay. um, and did all my secondary education in the U.S., um, and I think like most people, I fell into recruiting, so I worked in retail when I was in college, and um, was doing that for a long time, and I wasn't learning a lot and didn't know what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and... Um, it was one of those stories, my, my, my mother's friend's aunt, uncle's neighbor goes to church with this guy who knows this dog, <laughs> right. who goes to this park and every Sunday they see him. <laughs> anyway, this guy owned a search firm mm-hmm. and um, it was called the Holland Group and it's mm-hmm. still there today mm-hmm. in Chicago. Yeah. And I joined in, oh God, 19 something and something. Uh-huh. Um, as a research associate. Okay, sure. Enough. And um, a- a- right after your undergrad? Right or? after. Actually, it was right after my master's because okay. I was working in retail uh-huh. and um, just wanted to do something in corporate America. I didn't know what that was. Sure. I didn't know what search was. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. It was a research associate. And I said, well, I've done research for my master's and you're interviewing people. I'm like, well, I like people. I can do people. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got my teeth cut in, in sourcing and, and recruiting. And I will tell you that there's been an evolution in what I learned in that role to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And how, so I'd love to, I'll talk to you about what that has looked and felt like yeah. as I think about recruiting. Yeah, go today. ahead. What, oh, now. What's been that evolution? Yeah, so um, when I started, we had a telephone, mm-hmm. um, a notebook, and a pen. We were still on DOS computers, wow. right? I remember. Yeah. And, um, and, and my charm, my English accent was much stronger back then. So. Okay. <laughs> and it was an African-American owned search firm. So every search I worked on was a targeted one. Mm-hmm. Our clients were looking for um, diversity and folks from underrepresented groups mm-hmm. for VP level and above. Okay. And my job was to go and find them. Mm-hmm. They had to be um, Ivy League educated, walk on water, have mm-hmm. won the Nobel Peace Prize, and my job was okay. to go find them. Okay. So that was about being creative. There was no LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. There was no real monster job boards. There was none of that. It was mm-hmm. about going to find it. And the importance of the relationship building that happened over the phone and the focus on um, um, the experience was a huge one. That's where I learned. And the lessons from from way back then when I was a research associate has evolved into how we think about sourcing mm-hmm. and every recruiter goes to LinkedIn yeah. first. That's the secondary or the tertiary source. First, I want to know, are you thinking about the business? Are you thinking about um, non-traditional avenues you can be leveraging? I have lots of stories where we've been able to unearth new sourcing channels based on not on what the hiring manager is saying he or she wants, but based on our understanding of the business, the role that's needed in the skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and led to some really great hires that mm-hmm. we didn't think about before. That started when I was at the Hollins Group wow. years ago. Great, yeah, what great yeah. foundational learning. It, it is, it is. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so from search, you then went to. I joined Hewitt Associates. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. shared DNA that we yes, have. Yes, yes, yeah. Hewitt in Lincolnshire, Illinois, mm-hmm. and um, I started there as a 
compensation staffing consultant, whatever that was. But it was my job to um, recruit for the compensation practice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the head of the comp practice wouldn't take meetings with me. Okay. The first couple of months. Um, I made one hire who actually, he has moved to San Francisco since then and is now working at Genentech. Wow. Made one hire and she was very impressed with this hire. Mm -hmm. And he had less experience than they wanted, but they were blown away by him. Um, a year and a half later, um, I'd staff their business and we're going out to lunch and dinner and um, the relationship that you want with your, with your hiring manager. It was also at that time that I was managing the graduate recruiting program mm -hmm. at Hewitt. Okay. And I spent um, about eight months in uh, China and India centralizing the graduate recruiting program and also oversaw a relationship with National Black MBA in Ashimba. Oh, cool. So a huge focus on diversity in that role right. and experience that I pulled from um, uh, my work with the Hollins Group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. that was Hewitt. Very fond memories. Wow. Great experience yeah, there. International yes. campus yes. Uh, and tough hiring managers. Very, very tough. <laughs> she, she literally, I would put a meeting on the calendar and she was not interested. <laughs> okay. No value add, didn't see it. But she got the job yeah. done anyway. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Okay. And how, what brought you to San Francisco or what, what brought you west? So actually, while I was at Hewitt, I got a call um, from The Gap. And because uh, I've done, I call them two tours of duty at The Gap. Uh -huh. um, and the initial call was for a recruiter. And I said, well, I'm, I'm doing recruiting now. And I love Chicago, so there's no need for me to leave. Um, and three months later, I got a call. Um, still know the recruiter today. She's a Sephora. Oh, um, cool. Um, and she said, I have a job for you. And I mm -hmm. said, what is it? She said, it's a manager of diversity sourcing. And it was a beautiful combination of retail experience, which I had while I was mm -hmm. in school, mm -hmm. um, diversity, mm -hmm. and um, recruiting. Yeah. And so, as much as I did not want to leave Chicago, I came here kicking and screaming uh -huh. <laughs> on the plane. Okay. I remember I had my cat on the plane, and uh, his name was Tango, and he was soaking wet. I was crying oh. <laughs> the entire ride. Oh, my first night was spent um, on an air mattress with a television I bought <laughs> across the street from Target on top of a, of a cardboard, cardboard box, and I wow. said, what have you done with your life so bad? Well, see, now that's interesting because we laugh, right, in yes. retrospect, but Huge. it's hard. It's yeah. hard to take a risk like that. Was, and, yeah. you know, I'm a big uh, encourager of people to take risks. I've done a lot of it myself, and it's what it takes sometimes to grow. Yes. Am I right? Yes. yes. You're, you're, you're quite right. I, um, and I came here. I didn't know a soul. And so that lonely night in the apartment <gasps> with my cat on the air mattress with my television on top of a cardboard box, yeah. um, that led to an amazing career and what eventually would turn out to be the best job I've ever had um, when I ended up at Old Navy. Cool. Um, but that was my foray to San Francisco, my introduction to the city that is now, um, I now call home. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For how for how many years now have you been here? We moved. I moved here in '99. So is that nine, okay? Nine, so coming eight, up yeah. on 20 years. Yes. Oh, Yikes. I know. Yeah. All right. And at Gap, you started at. Old Navy. No, you started at Gap and then went to the Old Navy brand. Yeah, I, then... start, I started at corporate. Okay. And right. then, um, well, my first go round was corporate the entire time. Yeah. And then I left and went to Microsoft in right. Seattle. Okay. And then I came back to San Francisco, was in corporate. Then I went to Old Navy. Okay. Then I went back to corporate when what I got What was promoted. it like at Microsoft in, in those times? Because that would have been like 2001, 2002 yeah. or something. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah. Um, so... They just hired a new um, head of TA, and she had very, very big dreams and visions. Um, 
for what the talent acquisition function should do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have responsibility for the HED division, Home Entertainment Division. Okay. There's seven P&Ls across. Um, it was back in the heyday, right? Mm-hmm. You joined Microsoft yeah. and it was, right. it was huge. Um, my responsibility was Microsoft Game Studios, Xbox, and hardware. Okay. Um, so it was even the cool part of Microsoft. It was. It was. While, it was. while Microsoft was cool. Yeah. And, and, and then <laughs> they kind of went down and now they're cool again. So <laughs> isn't are. that interesting? They're Everything old back. is new again. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. after I left, they went down. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> is there a correlation then, yeah, there? Yeah. Some of the, yeah. I, like to think, I like to think so. But yeah. No. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So then mm-hmm. you got a little experience recruiting tech. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, But then but then oh, got attracted back to the San Francisco market. What, yeah. what, what was that? Well, that was mostly about um, Seattle. It's very different now. It's different time in my life, different mm-hmm. priorities, different yeah. focuses, um, or different foci, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I missed San Francisco. I told my mom when I moved here, I found, I found my soul hmm. um, when I moved to San Francisco. And in Seattle, while I loved it, it didn't feel like home to me. Yeah. So I came back to home um, and joined Monster Cable mm-hmm. before I went back to Gap. Okay. And Monster was... Um, privately held company mm-hmm. with um, a brilliant CEO, um, powerful guy, really big visions. Um, and my job was to build the function mm-hmm. from nothing. There was one recruiter who had, I think, 87 racks. It, it was funny. My second day there, I got a juicy fruit gum wrapper mm-hmm. that had a title of a position, product engineer, and a fill-by date. <laughs> it was slid <laughs> under my door. <laughs> And it came from the head of product development at the time. And I Sorry, asked, a juicy fruit gum, gum wrapper, wrapper yes. with a wreck, basically, mm-hmm. on it. The wreck and the fill, but when he wanted the job filled by. <laughs> oh so gosh. after I stopped laughing quirky. and I gave myself it. a headache from laughing, I marched down to his office and said, we got to have a chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was a good story. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So some interesting characters along yes. the way that you yeah. met. Oh, that's cool. Um, okay. And so, and then the second tour of duty back at, at Gap was then to Old Navy, where you, from what I understand, renovated and fixed everything that yeah. needed fixing. Um, you know, it was, I had an amazing team. Mm-hmm. I really did. Um, um, and there was a there was a magical thing happening at Old Navy with the brand, um, the person to whom I reported, my peer group, the um, the product, and then my team. I built an amazing team. They did all the work, but the focus there was 100% about sourcing. The, we had no sourcing capability, and I think when I first joined the Gap. There was a role that we called search specialists, mm-hmm. and their job was to find talent. Mm-hmm. They also were looked at as sort of junior administrative assistants, mm-hmm. and so the role wasn't pure. Um, it got their, their effectiveness got diluted, and mm-hmm. I said, when I looked at the demand that Old Navy had and um, the goals that were set, I said to Monica, anybody that would join this team as a leader is set up to fail. Mm. Mm-hmm. unless these three things happen. And one of those three things was we needed to build sourcing capability. Mm-hmm. And um, before going in the door, she guaranteed me that we would get resources for sourcing. Okay. What transformed that brand um, was the capability around sourcing talent mm-hmm. and the focus on, and the discipline um, on what that meant. I ended up doing a one and a half year roadshow around um, Gap Inc. Mm-hmm. to talk about sourcing and what it is and what we were doing and how we were hiring people two months before a job was open and what mm-hmm. that looked like and why. Yeah. Um, 
I owe I owe everything to that and then the leaders that were hired onto my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you had to have three things and one of them was sourcing. <laughs> what are the other two? I needed to know that she was going to stay there for a really long time. Okay. Um, and the third was um, autonomy. Uh-huh. Um, I And I learned this about myself um, probably about two or three years before that. Some of it, some of it was, at, was at Microsoft. I do my best work when I don't feel tethered. Yeah. Um, and so to have a leader who trusted me mm-hmm. um, and was there if I screwed something up mm-hmm. um, was, was hugely um, um, beneficial to me mm-hmm. being successful. And I, and, and I, I need that today. Yeah. Um, guidance and direction and motivation and coaching, I want. But I need to know that I have the autonomy um, to make the decisions that I think the right decisions to make. Right. Yeah. I like that, uh, the tethered word, you know, you don't, some people feel better when they're tethered. Others feel better when they're not. So you're a not. Yeah. And, and that, that, that attribute or dynamic is consistent in my personal life. And so it's Mm -hmm. something that permeates my Mm -hmm. life. Um, it's funny, you know, I said to, um, and this is what I promised, promised to at the time, my boss, I have three, I don't have very many rules. I'm not a process oriented girl, but I have three rules. And I say this to my team and I said it to Monica. I won't lie to you. I will keep you out of jail. And I will not let you get blindsided. So if I screw something up, mm-hmm. um, you'll always know before anybody else comes to you. Yeah. Um, and with that, I got the three things I asked for, including... Um, so it's a give and take. Sourcing. It's a give and take. The, rec- the reciprocity is huge. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And the picture that I've got in my head is that you had, by that time, been working long enough in enough different environments where you knew yourself so well mm. that you could articulate those yeah. things. And I think when you're earlier in your career, yeah. you can't really articulate those things. Yeah. You kind of, they still need to come out of you. Would you say that's true? Or It's, it's very true. Yeah. I actually, um, one of the things that I appreciated the most about Gap, they were so focused on people. And so there were, we also couldn't align as a company on what is the right, um, what's our leadership profile? What's the right tool that we want to leverage mm-hmm. to determine who we are as leaders and what the, the commonalities were. So there were a suite of um, resources that were available, whether it was Myers-Briggs or looking at the um, Berkman or DISC or Gallup or Coy, so many of them, right. and I took all of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and there, I have a folder. To know right yourself. Background. Yes. Okay. But Interesting. Even though there were some variations, there were a few consistent themes that ran through all of them, and one of them was I have a high need for autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, even in my personal relationship, my partner knows the minute that you try to to um, hold me down is the minute that I'm, yeah, I'm not very happy. And so, um, yeah, those are one of the threads that ran through. Know thyself. It's a beautiful thing, that's for sure. Okay, uh, so tell me about your current role. How much of your time do you spend on strategy versus tactics? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I was hired for strategy, Mm -hmm. but it's a four-year-old startup Mm -hmm. that's trying to find itself and um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so if I were to give you a percent, I would mm-hmm. say 95% of my time is spent in the tactical space. Right. But I also have to build a team, right? And so once I get my leaders in place, I'm mm-hmm. sure that will shift over time. Yeah. But there is this healthy tension between what's the work that needs to be done and how do you start to set the, um, the agenda or build the framework or plant the seeds that we need to be thinking in a much longer term way. Right. Um, but there is a strong focus on doing mm-hmm. and achieving and accomplishing. And so okay. um, 
I have to get my mind around where are the opportunities to build strategy or to build frameworks to start to plant the seeds mm -hmm. um, that will help the organization scale because that's that's what we need to be able to do and we can't scale if we're continuously doing right which is where we sit today because as much of a challenge as it is to add i think you said uh 400 and now 550 or whatever yeah, yeah. The, the site so we're adding yes. in the hundreds yes at gap you were responsible for a team that hired thousands yes. every month <laughs> yes. right yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it is a completely different way of working. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yes. Are you in the weeds every day? I am. Uh -huh. um, but I, I knew that going in. Yeah. And I, I and um, you know you don't know what you don't know, and then when you're there, mm -hmm. you start to learn things and make connections. And so being in the weeds, I think and hope will make me a better leader for my team, because I know what they're going through. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of work to be done before the strategic, mm -hmm. let's say strategery, mm -hmm. um, before that takes hold, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not like there's a surplus of recruiters in San Francisco right now. How are you, how are you doing that? It's hard. Yeah. It's very difficult. And um, I, I always say, and this is going to sound really odd, the lowest expectation that I have is that a recruiter fill jobs? That's table stakes, right. right? Right. There are so many other things that impact how effectively a job gets filled, how efficiently it gets filled, or how successfully it gets filled. And so the degree to which you can anticipate those dynamics, um, mitigate them, and manage them, and influence the outcome right. is directly correlated with the job getting filled. And so in San Francisco, we've got this, this huge startup tech mentality that's very tactical. Mm -hmm. um, so. I've got to cultivate it mm -hmm. if I can't find it. Right. So, so it's very difficult. I've got, I'll have about 10 roles open on my team, recruiters, sources, a couple of coordinators. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's proving challenging because there are lots of recruiters out there, right. lots of them. Yes, but the recruiters, you have to find the good ones. <laughs> yes, and you have to weed through a lot. But. Mm -hmm. um, the ones that can fill jobs, we need, mm -hmm. but there has to be that additional dimension. Right. Um, my, so, favor okay, my favorite question to ask mm -hmm. a recruiter is, mm -hmm. what's the value that you bring mm -hmm. beyond filling the job? Oh. It's, a, it's a brilliant, it's a good question. I've gotten some really, it, it's uh -huh. telling about where their mind is and how they yes. think about the role. Right. I was talking to somebody yesterday who said she was a senior recruiter and she's only looking at senior recruiter roles. When we hung up, she said, oh, I understand why I'm not a senior recruiter. I said, oh. so I'd love to talk to you and continue the discussion. But when we talk about calibrating and what the vision is, so there's a lot of those discussions that are happening. Okay. Do I understand it to, to mean then that most of the hires you're making are permanent, uh, full-time, however you want to quantify it, but not gig workers, not contractors. You, you're looking for people to join the mission. Yes, is absolutely, right? yeah. Okay. And, and it's a very good word because mm -hmm. um, the mission around the company creates a lot of energy a lot of vim, a lot of vigor, yeah. um, right. and so there is. There's, there's almost this um, frenzy that is rooted in a mission to help people move seamlessly and not have home buying be the encumbrance that it has been yeah. traditionally. Right. Um, you can buy your house in two to sell your house in two to three days yeah. on our platform. Very so, cool. Yeah, amazing very cool. Stuff. Amazing and that's stuff. a very different business than what you have recruited for in the past. So how <laughs> yes. did you, I mean, what, you know, looking at all the options that you yes. could have joined, how did, how did that appeal to you in a way that uh, maybe something else didn't? Yeah. Um, it hasn't been done before. That was, um, okay. it was provocative for me. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that was really appealing was um, I had spoken to a number of tech companies, as you know, mm -hmm. and 
Um, for the majority of them, I was always the, I was always one of two, but always ended up being the bridesmaid and not mm -hmm. the bride. Mm -hmm. um, Open Door talked about a growth mindset and what that means. Mm -hmm. And that resonated with me because I, I didn't have the depth of technical experience that mm -hmm. um, your typical tech company is looking for. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been in a startup mm -hmm. that moves at the pace that Open Door is moving. Okay. Um, my leader doesn't have an HR background. Mm -hmm. And so they do believe in a growth mindset, which is if you can get in and you've got the intellectual agility and you can figure stuff out. Yeah. Um, it's a complex, complex business. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I need your weigh-in on this, this critical question that has been dogging me for years, and it is. Really Why dogging is you? it? Yes, it's been <laughs> dogging me for years. Why is it that we, and I'll, I'll put ourselves in that category, mm. and so many of our beloved colleagues have mm. worked tirelessly in talent acquisition for decades, mm -hmm. But time to fill hasn't changed. <laughs> so, <laughs> Am know, I right? Uh, yeah. It's know, still 30, 45, and 60 days, days depending on is. the level. Yeah. Um, all the technology, all the process, it's still the same. What's yeah, up with that? Um, that's a really interesting question. And I, I have a love-hate relationship with that metric um, for a number of reasons. Hmm. If things, so generally speaking, if things are going well, no one cares about time to fill. Yeah. You look true. at time to fill mm -hmm. when there's something going wrong. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's a negative connotation with it. I don't know why it hasn't changed. Um, everything around it has changed. Mm -hmm. um, so if anything, and especially in technology, yeah. I would see it <laughs> increasing, and especially for specialized jobs. Um, but I can't even conjure up a reason why that is the static metric metric i go back to a couple things you can be forgiven a lot of things if you have great relationships right and so I, i'm yeah, going to sort of yeah. table time to go for a minute expectations. yes yeah. mm -hmm. and so the recruiter sits in the middle as you said the intersection mm -hmm. between the hurry manager and and the candidate um and i and i go back to my days at the hollins group most of my hiring managers, if we aren't at par with what the industry says is a typical, whatever that is, average time to fill for a certain role, mm -hmm. if they know what's going on, mm -hmm. if they trust that they've seen candidates that they um, fit the quality, fit what you're looking for, yeah. it's kind of okay. And that's what I'm, so I'm, I tend to be much more in line and attuned to the qualitative metrics. Yeah. Um, and we got to a point where we were looking at um, tenure in position mm -hmm. and performance at three months. Um, okay. So that's more of a quality metric. A quality metric, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that the quantitative metrics aren't important. I also wasn't, you know, at Open Door, they're extraordinarily important because we're building a business. We've got capacity planning models that are, that are, that are relegated on, on tasks and how long that task takes. And we need this many people and we're trying to get to this revenue. So we need these jobs filled by X date, right? right? Um, so that is a natural part of the business. Mm -hmm. um, I want to get to a place where we've got an equal balance of quantitative metrics, time mm -hmm. to fill in others, mm -hmm. and qualitative. We're not at the qualitative yet. Yeah. Um, but I, I put way more credence in the qualitative because you can be forgiven stuff yeah. from a time perspective. Okay. It's um, an excellent point. Yeah. It's an excellent yeah. point. But then with fast growth, 
Yeah, always, the clock is always ticking. Yes, so it it's, is. You know, I like to impact both. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you talked about you can you can do anything if you've got a good relationship or if you communicate a lot. <laughs> How are you thinking about candidate experience? Is yeah. that also all about communication or um, so, other things? Yeah, we, we, we say that word a lot. And most times, um, most times, we're we're politely moving them through a process. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we're really cultivating a relationship. And um, because one of the things I tell my team is, how are you optimizing every single touch point that you have? Mm -hmm. Because if you're looking for a product manager in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and we're building out an EPD team, engineering products mm -hmm. and design team in Atlanta, um, I, I bet they know engineers. Mm -hmm. But they're focused on filling a job for a product manager. Yeah. And so this relationship um, is tantamount to the experience. We haven't done anything at Open Door that is above and beyond what we need mm -hmm. to do because we're moving so quickly. Right. Um, and you're new to still. Well, I mean, brand new, four years, yeah. moving quickly. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't had a, a, a TA leader that has a TA background, so right. it's, it's, it's new. Right. And so what's important to us is that they understand the business, um, that we're respectful of their time, yes, um, and that they have a good experience when they come in. We do want them to feel open door. One of the things that I'm working on today is how do we start to translate the importance of the mission? Because we move so quickly, mm -hmm. there's so much going on. Um, it's so it's 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 breakneck fast at this company. Um, but what's driving that is this mission. The highest demographic that we're seeing growth in is for our retirees uh -huh. and first-time homebuyers. Yeah. And so that sort of has, oh my gosh. that's of embold course. that's emboldened yeah. our, our founders and our CEOs um, um, desire to do this faster because there are people who need it. And if you yeah. think if you think yeah. about what They're you go through, right that's exactly now. right. Exactly are. right. Yeah. And the burden that comes along with buying a new home and all the mm -hmm. storage and moving and yeah. timing and financing mm -hmm. and all those things, right. um, we can get we can make all those things go away. Wow. Um, so so the, so, so in the candidate it. experience, is how do we bring that to life for mm -hmm. our candidates so they feel the mission and appreciate why it's moving the way that it's moving? Right. I'm quite sure when you're commuting home or whatever and kind of pondering the day, it's those kinds of things that bubble up, right? Because in the day you have to be in the weeds and triaging and helping your people be as good as they yeah. can be, but then. You know, if you're like me, your mind wanders to the what could be, and you want to get there as fast as you can too. That's right? that's where my mind naturally gravitates. Yeah. So every day, it is um um it is a it's a willful intention yeah. to deliver for what the company needs today, and and literally telling myself. I have to meet Open Door where Open Door is today. Yeah. Um, we don't have succession planning. Right. Um, and so I can't talk about a broad talent agenda. Mm -hmm. They just need jobs filled yeah. right now. Right. Um, so that, that is the focus. Yeah. But, but the strongest muscle that I can flex is around how do we build a strategic um, framework to move the needle on the things I know will make a difference. All right. I yeah. love that. Okay, we're just about out of time, what? but I have to ask you... What's the best advice you ever got from someone? Career advice? Yes. And or what's the best advice you have to offer? And sometimes they're the same things. So, yes. um, so um, they're different, but oh, they're, they're related. Interesting. Um, and it wasn't it was an advice more than it was a very, very simple question. I was at Hewitt, and when I was considering the move from San Francisco from Chicago to San Francisco, 
And I love I love Chicago. I had no yeah, desire to leave Chicago. Mm-hmm. Zero. Um, my leader at the time, who went on to be the head of learning development at McKinsey, brilliant, oh. brilliant woman. I still oh, talk to her. Um, I said, I don't know if I want to go to San Francisco. I don't know if I want this job. And she said, are you happy at Hewitt? I said, yes. She said, are you comfortable at Hewitt? I said, yes. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's time to go. Oh, <laughs> wow. The comfortable question. Very simple. Yeah. Um, wow, it's about how you're pushing yourself. Huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, um, it was your lean in moment. It was, it was, mm-hmm. it was to this day. Look, I have goosebumps. Uh-huh. Yeah. I see it was, it, it was huge. <laughs> Wow. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank I feel you like yours. we could go on and on. I have other questions, but I know time being what it is, uh, we have to cut it off. But thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. What a treat to hear from a leader who isn't afraid to step out of her comfort zone and take on a broader role in a completely different industry. I love Sylvette's story because it is further evidence that not all career success moves in a straight line. I've experienced that myself. And what I've found is that nonlinear movement gives us a sharper sense of our own strengths and weaknesses, a little compassion, and a whole lot of energy for the next challenge. So that's it for today. Please remember to rate and review our content. It will help other talent professionals find us. And don't miss my next episode with Carly Sanchez, the EVP of Talent and Diversity at Wells Fargo. That's another interesting conversation you're going to want to overhear on Big Fish in the Talent Pool. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Fish in the Talent Pool. This podcast is independently produced in collaboration with ERE.net, and we would love to hear your feedback. You can email Erin directly at E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N at people-results.com. You can also follow Erin on Twitter at Erin McPeterson, connect with her on LinkedIn, and learn more about her practice at people-results.com.